As you take your seats, take out your Bibles. You get to take out your Bibles. You can take out your smartphone. You can do pretty much anything you want to pull out God's Word. So take out your Bibles and turn to the first chapter of the book of Colossians as we now begin really our first study. Last week, our introduction. Remember that introduction is a greeting. And as we pick up verses 3 through 6, a study that I've entitled, and it's a Father's Day message, really, because this is the message of the cross. This is really the message of life, that faith, that hope, that love, and the truth uh, of what God's Word declares to us. And so as we begin, would you pray with me, and let's ask God to bless our time. Father, we are so grateful that we have the privilege of gathering together in this place, Lord, uh, amassed here the believers from all over this region, Lord, of every tribe and tongue and nation. And we are grateful, God, that it is your Spirit that joins us together. And we ask that your Spirit now would instruct us, that you'd help us to glean from your magnificent Word. Lord, that Word that is sharp and powerful, that divides between joint and marrow, soul and spirit. Lord, that pierces through all of the stuff. And so, God, we pray that you would bless us now as we read And as we are instructed by your Spirit, would we receive it with gladness in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 3 here in Colossians 1. And so in light of the greeting that Paul's given, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll highlight this in a moment. That's not Jesus' first, middle, and last name. Uh, people often mistakenly believe that that's, that's what it is. It's kind of like, I'm Jeffrey Scott Gill, he's the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there's definite meaning that Paul is intending to convey. Praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Notice where it's laid up. Man, if your hope is in this earth, on this planet, in our economy, our government, uh, if that's where your hope is, uh, your hope is going to be dashed frequently and often. But if your hope is in heaven, wherein our God reigns, then your hope is solid and strong. Of which you heard before in, notice where it was heard, the word of truth what you hold in your hands, what you hold in your laps, what you're gazing at on your smartphone screen is the word of truth. It's God's message from the ages to us today. Those 66 books, 40 different authors, written over a period of nearly 1,500 years, and yet one concise message that God created this world and everything in it, created you, and He loves you with an undying love. The truth of the Gospel. That's the purpose for which we have the Scriptures. It's the Gospel that saves. It's the message that we literally are loved by God. Which has come to you. As is also come into all of the world, oh, praise God, that we have an opportunity to take the gospel into yet another part of the world. Amen? You're going to be hearing we have another trip planned 
And this one's to Liberia. We're actually sponsoring a pastor's conference in Liberia. We have the opportunity to take the gospel around the world. And we must. The time is short. The day is at hand. I believe our king is coming. Time to be busy about our father's business. And it's bringing forth fruit. Amen? That word that you have, that sure word, is bringing forth fruit, not only in your life, but in other people's lives. Do you cherish your Bible that way? That is literally God's voice to us today? This is not some ancient series of letters that were authored by strange people a long time ago. This is God's living word. It speaks forth into our lives this very moment. And it is truth. As it is also among you since the day you heard and knew of the grace of God in truth. So we see these four things. Faith, hope, love, and truth. And as you, as you look at this, understand what's being said here. You see, Paul knows that life is a battle. He knows that his walk will also contain with it warfare. Anybody gone through something crazy this week? Yeah, you've been warring in your life. You know, the enemy is out and and he seeks to do what he can to, to push God's people away from the truth and towards the lie of the enemy. It is staggering to me how many Christians ignorantly walk in this world, think the moment they give their life to Christ, that absolutely everything is just going to be fine from there on out. You're going to need to battle, brothers and sisters. You're in, you're in a war, a declared war, by the way. Satan declared war on God. He said, I will become like the Most High God. He said, I'm going to stand in direct opposition and in direct competition with our Heavenly Father. He said, I will establish my throne like the Most High. Satan is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And the answer is the good news of the gospel, that faith, that hope, that love, that truth that we walk in. And so Paul begins by stating very clearly, look, we're praying for you. Can I share with you a little bit of a a concern I have with the church, us included? That of all the things that we do, can I tell you what's the most poorly attended? Prayer. Times of prayer. Where we gather together and seek the face of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords through Jesus Christ His Son. Those things are the most poorly attended. And I wonder sometimes if it isn't indicative of our actual prayer lives. And so I want to challenge you. Be people of prayer. Spend more time on your knees. Create your own war room. And go there frequently and often and battle. Because the enemy is trying to kill your children. The enemy wants to tear apart your family. Would love to destroy our city. Our state, our country, Satan would love to wipe out the voice of God in this world. And he's not a gentleman about how he fights. Go to war and battle. Tell him, not on my watch. 
You have direct access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I would suggest to you that you use it. And that's not a chastisement. I pray that's an encouragement. Get in there and get fighting. You're equipped. Look, you went to God's gym, amen? You got saved. You got beefed up in the spirit. You need to go knock the devil's teeth in every once in a while. Too many Christians sit on the sidelines and go, well, you know, I'm just, I'm getting beat up. Need to fight. Paul was a fighter. And in that, he says, look, my faith is in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That triple name is a beautiful thing. It expresses his divinity, his humanity, and his messianic office. It tells us that he is God, that he was a man, he is Emmanuel, he's God with us. And at the same time, he came here for a reason. And he came to die that we might live, amen? Amen. That's the message of the cross, by the way. Jesus didn't just come to be beat up and died. He came to die that he might be raised up by the power of God, that we might also be raised. That's the message of the Bible, Jesus is the divine Lord. Jesus is the man, Jesus. And he's also the Christ. That's his office. And so we see this faith and love first. Look, love in this sense, and I think it's important to remember, love is not an abstract idea. and Faith is not an abstract idea. When we say abstract, that means it, it, it's held alone by itself and is not connected to anything else. Look, our love is the love that God has shed abroad in our hearts. That's the love we have. It's not in, in a vacuum. It's not an abstract idea. Jesus Christ demonstrated this love towards us that while we were yet sinners, He died for us. Amen? It's that kind of love. And so as we think of the love that God has for us, we need to be bearers of that kind of love. That love endures. Amen? That's the love that hopes all things and endures all things and believes all things. That's the kind of love that never fails. Amen? You see, when he says, look, we need to have this kind of love, he's talking about a very specific kind of love that we're to have for all of the saints. And I would even carry it a little further. How about all the saints that ain't yet? We, we need to be loving on people that haven't become saints yet, but might if we just loved on them a little bit. We showed them what it looks like to be Jesus to them. You're not going to separate yourself out and actually be Christ, but you can be as much like Jesus as you can possibly be. Amen? That's what draws people to repentance. People see that kind of love and say, I don't know that kind of love in my family. I've never experienced that kind of love at home. I don't even know what love is. But when you show them Christ's love, you're showing them the love that God the Father has for His children. Probably many of you know families where you'd rather be at their family for Christmas than your own, amen? You know what I'm saying. Not all of us have the perfect family. But you know that one family, they really love each other, and it's just like the whole family's like, just they love each other. And you're like, man, I want to go there. I want my family to look like that. In Christ, that is our family, amen? That's who we are. 
We need to start loving and living like that. Secondarily, their faith was not just a bunch of happy thoughts. You know, so, I'll give you a little test. Something you can do this week. Ask somebody that you don't know really well. Ask them what they think faith is. You're going to get some crazy answers. It's going to be everything from Disney, well, that you just think happy thoughts, to some super abstract idea. Well, you know, the soul, human soul and uh, philosophically reasoning these things out, I mean, we have to then believe in things that do not actually exist. So therefore, I ha- you know, you'll get one of those people. Faith, Scripture says, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen, and thereby it must have an object. Faith that has no object is absolutely absurd. For faith to be real, you must have faith in something. Amen? And in this case, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have this evidence that's in your life. And you have this substance that's in your life that points you to Jesus. Real faith. Life-altering, transformational faith. It's abiding faith. And we take that out into the world. You know, sometimes loving all the saints is not easy. Amen? You probably have some saints in your life that's like, they're, they're challenging saints. I I can tell you as a pastor, there are challenging saints on this earth. And you bump into them, and sometimes it's just, you know, maybe it's that that young family that has the crying child, and you're just like, you're not loving on them, you're hoping they find another church to go to. (laughs) And to give equal opportunity, and then there's the older saints, that like every time you change a color or a worship song, it's like, well, it wasn't like that when I was three. Saints can be challenging. We think differently. We're not all the same. Look around the sanctuary. We're not exactly cut out of the same piece of cloth. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That's true. Because if everybody was like me, none of us would get along. (laughs) You, You see, we need to take that love to all the saints and the saints who aren't saints yet, but we want them all to be saints. Part of the problem with the church is the church has forgot that we have vertical faith and we have horizontal love. Amen? We have vertical faith. Our faith is in Him who's in heaven. And we're supposed to express that in horizontal love, love that branches out while we're here. And instead, we're kind of stuck one way or the other. And you'll talk to people that they've got, they've got vertical faith. Oh, they pray a lot. They just don't pray for anybody. It's kind of stingy faith. And then you've got people who have lots of horizontal love and relationship, but it has no basis in faith. And so it's empty love. You need to have both. You need to have both. Not one or the other. Both. It's why throughout Scripture we see this this coupling of faith and hope and love. You'll see it in Romans 5. You'll see it in 1 Corinthians 13. This passage, Galatians chapter 5. Throughout the Bible, faith, hope, love, abide in these things. Amen? 
That's who we are as people in Christ Jesus. And because of that, we have real hope. You know, this trilogy that, that is Jesus gives us hope. Because one day, we're going to step into that eternity. Amen? You see, right now, we're here on the temporal plane. We're with each other. But someday, all of these things that we now see in a mirror dimly are going to become our daily reality when we get to heaven. And so we need to have that real hope. And that real hope is not because of here, it's because of there. Amen? When Jesus said to the disciples, look, I don't want you to be troubled. Do not be troubled. He then told them, why not? He said, look, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. And if I go, I'm going to come back and get you. That's the hope of heaven. See, sometimes we're, we're so tuned into the things on this earth that we forget the great equalizer is heaven. We get so caught up in the things of this life that we forget the next life. Things are different, amen? The great inequities in our world today are satisfied in our hope in heaven. It doesn't make everything good here. It just means that my hope is heaven. I have heavenly hope. I don't have earthly hope. I'm grateful that while we're here, God gives us a certain amount of stability in this life to where we can even hope sometimes that, you know, today's going to be fine too. But ultimately, my hope is in heaven, wherein my Savior is. Amen? Jesus is not some ethereal being. He is a real man who is also our Savior, who is also God. Amen? So when I say I trust the Lord Jesus Christ, He's a heavenly being that came to this earth, lived here, died here, went back home to heaven, and He completed His mission, which was as King of kings, Lord of lords, and Savior of all who would believe. And so when I think of Him, I'm thinking from a very different perspective than I think of you know, a sports figure. And we got a game this afternoon. Now, if, if nobody shows up to church tonight, I won't totally resent all of you. Because I'm a basketball fan. But, you know, I'm going to be here. And so when LeBron is, and Steph Curry are mixing it up, you know, there's some pretty serious skill on the floor. But can I tell you, there's a whole lot greater skill in heaven? Amen? Amen? You, you see, sometimes we're hoping like that next experience, well, this is going to be the greatest game ever. And it might be. But you know what? It won't change your life. No matter who wins, who loses. The game tonight will not change your life. It might alter its course for a few moments. If some of you are silly enough to be betting, maybe you're going to have some, you know, just saying. We have missionaries that could use that. Give it to Jesse and Mallory. Might transform your existence for a few weeks. Who knows? But you want a life-changing experience? Put your faith and your hope and your trust in the truth of who Jesus is. Amen? You, you see, 
we have real hope. Paul says that that hope is stored up in heaven. And here's the, here's the long and the short of everywhere we go. The gospel goes. Amen? You're, you're walking gospel tracks. You, you, wherever you go, you, you get to share the gospel from your perspective, your life, the conditions that you live in. So I always, people say, well, you know, I'm not very good at, at sharing, sharing the gospel. Sure you are. But you might be very unique and very specific to maybe just a single person or two while you're here on this earth. But you've been called to be the gospel to somebody. We're all to do the work of the evangelist. Amen? Some people that's going. Some people it's providing for people to go. Some people that's actually evangelizing. Some people it's being behind. You know what? You can, you can share the gospel with hot dogs. Did you know that? I saw it happen yesterday. Those were gospel hot dogs. Talking to some people over in Wilson Park. It's like, yeah, go over and get some hot dogs. Really? How much do they cost? They're free. Well, who are you? I'm spending time talking to people about Jesus because of the dumb hot dog. <laughs> now, I'm not attesting to their nutritional value, just the fact that you can share Jesus with a hot dog. Somehow it gets transformed into something good once you eat it. I believe that. Especially Dodger dogs, right? Dodge, there's something in there, right? They're anointed by the Lord. <laughs> Did you know the Dodgers just signed the first Israeli to play in Major League Baseball yesterday? How did I get there? Oh, everywhere. The, you got, yeah. You see what I mean? It's baseball. You talk about, hey, talk about so you like we're going go blue. Did you know that there's an Israeli? Do you know about Israel? Do you know about my Jewish Messiah? Do you see the point? You can share Jesus at a baseball game. Not that you need to go on Sundays. <laughs> unless they're middle of the day games. But notice this is the truth that we share. We share the grace of God in truth. Isn't that awesome? That the grace of God would be given to us, and that grace of God we get to share in truth with other people. Look, your life has been transformed. My life has been transformed. And all of a sudden we sit here and we look at the, the life that we now live. It's not the same as it used to be. Amen? That's a truth. When you say to someone that, look, my life has been changed by my relationship with Jesus Christ, your life is the proof that's true. Because you're not the person you used to be. You have experienced that transformation of your mind. And now all of a sudden you're, you're a completely different person. Doesn't mean a perfect person, but you are changed and transformed. And so as we share those things, the truth of the gospel is born out in your life. And you share it with other people. That's the heart of the gospel message, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the world. Amen? All nations. You see, we have that message to take with us wherever you go. It doesn't matter where that is. It can be at work. It can be at the lunch table. It can be in the classroom. It can be on your walk around the block. Can be wherever you are, the gospel is. Isn't that crazy to think that's why it's alive? That message is not a dead message. Satan wants to make it dead, so he wants to silence you. 
doesn't want you to talk about what Jesus has done in your life. I want you to just kind of say, well, you know, I, I'm not gifted at that. Look, just share what's happened in your own experience, what God has done in your life, and it's powerful. You have a sphere of people that know you and have watched you. They see you, and because of that, God's grace is on you, amen? Isn't that crazy? To think that God's unmerited favor has come upon us through faith in Jesus Christ, His Son? It's nuts. Sometimes I think that. It's like, God, you're so good. Because I actually deserve to go to hell. Can I get an amen? amen? We do. We deserve to go to We still deserve to go to hell. But we're not going. It's grace. Hallelujah. You, you see, we should be kind of excited about that, don't you think? You know, some Christians are like, yeah, I'm going to heaven. It's like, man, if you can't get excited about transferring where you are today to the heavenlies, there's something wrong. You're kind of missing a little bit of the picture there. That's not meant to point fingers at you. It's just like, look, you have had your miserable existence exchanged for the glories of heaven. We can share that with people. I don't know how it's all going to turn out in the elections. But I know how it's going to turn out when I take my last breath. That I do know. Amen? I don't know how we're going to fix the economy, any of those, but I do know where I'm going when I pass from this life to the next. That's the gospel message. Look, anyone can have that. And so he closes in just a, a few final moments here. The four characteristics of the gospel. It centers on one person. The gospel centers on one person. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? The gospel isn't the church. The gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that that means. He came to this earth as a man. And yet he was God incarnate in human flesh. And he was sinless. He died on Calvary's cross. He was then raised three days later, and he then ascended to heaven. It centers on the Lord Jesus Christ, not anything else. A second thing. The gospel is the word of truth. It's not a fanciful story. It's not man's opinion on something. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. It is the word of truth. And so when we think of the characteristics of the gospel, it's quite simple. The gospel is the message of God's grace. The most important word anyone ever will hear is the message of God's grace. That you can have the unmerited favor of the perfect, all-powerful God simply through confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's grace. It's not just mercy. You see, mercy, you don't get what you do. In other words, I don't go to hell. That's what I deserve. That's God's mercy. But in His grace, He also gives me what I do not deserve, which is heaven. Hallelujah. That's why those are bookends. Amen? I want them both. A little greedy there. God, thank you for your grace and praise you for your mercy. 
Because I deserve a beatdown. I, I deserve a good whooping. You know, if God was like a, a father in the 1950s, I'd be getting a beatdown. It's like, what you need, boy, is to have your attitude adjusted. That's what I deserve. But God gives me mercy. He doesn't do that to me. He gives me grace instead. He said, not only am I not going to give you what you deserve, but I'm going to give you heaven. Praise the Lord. It's the gospel. It's the message of grace. And finally, it's for the whole world. It's for the whole world. Now the question is, are we going to take it to the whole world? That's the question. Because that's what we were commanded to do. Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, here's your, here's your task, guys. Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations. You can't be a disciple unless you're a follower. If you're a follower, you, you've committed your life to the Savior. And so for us, faith, hope, love, truth, that's the gospel. And I pray that we live that. It should be our joyous privilege to live that way today. I want to just simply encourage you. Would you stand with me and let's, let's close. I want to give an opportunity. Maybe you've heard these words. I'm going to simply ask that you would bow your heads with me and we're going to pray. And if you're here today... And perhaps you've never received Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. Wherever you are, I'm just simply going to ask you to raise your hand, slip your hand up in the air. We'd love to pray with you if you'd want to receive Christ. Keep it up so we can see it. If that's you, maybe you've kind of wondered what this relationship with God thing is. We want to give you that opportunity this morning. Don't be bashful because the Lord's not bashful with you. He sent Jesus to prove his love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing truth of faith and hope and love. And we ask God that you would just encourage and strengthen us as your church today. God, we know the power of the resurrection coursing through our veins. Would our lives be transformed? Would we make a difference while we're here? Pray that maybe there's someone who is just just too timid, Lord, to raise their hand. Would you, by your power, uh, impart that true word, Lord, that you, Jesus, came to die for them, to save them from their sin, to be their Savior. Lord, if they just confess that, they can be saved. And Father, we thank you for your goodness to us as a people, as a church. Would you send us out with joy? Would you lead us with peace? We ask all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen.